0: open your Bible, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter number 16. And normally we read the scripture. If you're visiting with us today, the normal way we would do this, we would read the scripture and then we would bring out the points of application, the truths. What is God saying? But today I want us to reverse that. I want to give you some points today, some truths, some application. And then I want us to read the scripture and see those things in the scripture. Now, there are three things as we think about a spontaneous baptism service today, giving people an opportunity to be baptized. Some of you today may get baptized, and you're not even planning. Right now, you're not planning on getting baptized. And yet, in the next 20 minutes, God might speak to you and say, this is exactly what you need to do. This service was planned for today with you in mind. And so, first of all, the first thing I want to say is that salvation and baptism are two different things. Now, if you agree with that, say amen. And I think most of us agree with that, but sometimes people get confused. Sometimes people have the idea that baptism has something to do with salvation, and it does not. There's nothing about baptism that saves us. There's nothing about baptism that washes our sins away. Salvation and baptism are two completely different things. Now, the second thing I want to say is this. Salvation is when we receive the free gift of eternal life by repenting of our sins and placing our trust in Jesus Christ. Now, that's the main thing. Salvation is is not only different from baptism, salvation is more important than baptism. When a person is saved, we receive a gift from God. We receive the free gift of eternal life. And eternal life doesn't begin when we die. Eternal life begins when we get saved and at last, forever. But we receive that gift when we ask God to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of our sins. When we say, God, I want you to help me to go in a different direction going forward. And when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in that moment, we're saved. There's a moment in time, you may not know when it was in your life, but if you're saved, there was a moment when you crossed from death into life. Now, when I say you may not know when that happened, Billy Graham used to say that in his estimation, most people do know when they crossed that line from death to life, from darkness to life. But it is possible that it happened at a time in your life, maybe during a song service, maybe during a sermon, maybe when you were young and you, you trusted Christ to save you. And yet even now you can't pinpoint that exact moment when you crossed that line. The proof that we are saved is not necessarily that we can remember the day and the date and the hour when we cross that line. The proof that we are saved is that we are trusting Jesus Christ right now to save us. And so if you can't remember when you cross that line, that's okay. And if you can remember when you cross that line, don't put your faith in that experience You put your faith in Jesus. The proof that you did trust Christ in the past is that you are trusting Christ now. And so salvation is when we simply by faith receive that gift from God, the grace of God reaching down to us, our faith reaching up to him. And when we receive that gift, that's when we are saved. God said, look to me and be saved. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So salvation comes before baptism. But what is baptism then? Baptism is an outward public expression of our faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't make us saved. Baptism is our way of letting other people know that we already have been saved. Baptism is an outward public expression of something that has happened in our heart. Baptism is symbolic. You see, salvation is the reality. uh, Baptism is a symbol of that reality. Those of you today who are married, you have your wedding ring on. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that wedding, yes or no, does that wedding ring make you married? No, it just lets other people know that you are married. If you forget to wear your wedding ring one day, you're still married, right? And your spouse would want you to know you're still married. The ring doesn't make you married. The ring lets other people know that you are married. Conversely, a person who's unmarried could say, well, you know, all my friends are married. All my friends have a wedding ring. I think I'm going to go to the jewelry store this week and buy a wedding ring and put that on. And then I'll look married. Well, you might look married, but you won't be married. The ring doesn't make you married, right? It just lets people know that you are married. But if you're not married and you wear the ring, the ring, it's a false symbol, And so baptism is like that. A person could get baptized and maybe not really be saved. And so the symbol doesn't represent anything because there's no inner reality of salvation in your life. Baptism is an outward public expression. Today, we're going to see people baptized in both services. And God's been blessing us lately. We've seen a lot of people get baptized in the last few weeks. And when these people are baptized, they're going to have on their white robes. And that white robe in and of itself is a symbol. It's a picture It means it represents something. That is their way of saying to everybody who's watching, just like my robe is clean and pure and white, Jesus has made my heart that way. This white robe, this clean white robe, is a picture of the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed my sins away. I've already received the gift. I've already been saved. My heart has already been cleansed. And so today I put on a white robe. And that's my way of letting everybody know that just like my heart is clean, this robe is white and clean. The robe is a symbol of what is happening in our heart. The people who are baptized, what will we do today? We'll lower them under the water and we'll lift them back up. Now, why do we do that? Because Jesus died on the cross and then he was buried. And then three days later, he came back to life again. So the the act of baptism itself is symbolic. It is a person who's baptized. Now, that person being baptized is not saying anything. The minister's doing all the talking. But the person being baptized is saying a volume by being up there in the baptistry. What they're saying is, just like Jesus died and was buried and he rose again in resurrection power, I too, spiritually speaking, have died to an old way of living... And I've been raised to walk in a brand new way of life. And so the act of baptism itself communicates the gospel. It communicates the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not that you're all of a sudden going to be a perfect person or a sinless person, but that when you got saved in that moment, you became a brand new person. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And baptism is a beautiful, beautiful picture of that. Now, in Acts 16, let's begin in verse 25. This is the story, Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. Most of us are familiar with this story. But I want us to see a part of this that we normally skip over. It says this, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining and criticizing and blaming God for their fate in life. Is that what it says? No. It says they were praying. And singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now, why was he about to kill himself? Because if you were a jailer, if your job was to guard the prisoners and the prisoners escaped, your life had to be taken. That was, the, that was the law. That was the punishment. That was how it worked. And when these, the earthquake happened and the, the doors of this prison were open, he just assumed all the prisoners would run out. He thought, well, I'll have to take my own life. If I don't, they'll take it for me. But Paul in verse 28 called out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we're all here. In other words, you don't need to take your own life. Nobody's gonna. You're not going to get in trouble. We're not going anywhere. Then this jailer called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, this man was saying, you, you men, Paul and Silas, there's something about you that, that you have something that I need. There you were locked up. Your hands were chained, your feet were shackled, and you were singing and praising God at midnight. You have this peace and this calmness. And even when you had an opportunity to run out of this jailhouse, this this prison here, you chose not to. You just stayed put. What is it that you have? What must I do to be saved? It's the greatest question anyone could ask. Well, in verse 31, they gave a very simple answer. They said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Now, when it says you and your household, that means everybody in your household has to believe. You have to place your faith in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And so then Paul and Silas begin to share with this Philippian jailer how to be saved. That Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He shed his blood so that our sins could be washed away. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. He ascended back to heaven. One day he's coming back to earth. But our responsibility is to repent of our sins, ask God to forgive us, receive Christ by faith, and we can be saved. So when it says in verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, that's what they said. And they spoke that to all who were in his house. They told his wife how to be saved. They told his kids how to be saved. If there were any cousins and nephews and nieces, they told all of them how to be saved. And in verse 33, this jailer took them, he, he got saved after hearing this message from Paul and Silas. And the way we know he got saved, the first way is he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. In other words, now you have the jailer meeting the physical needs of those who had been in his jail, and he's washing off their stripes. But look at the end of verse 33. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. Immediately. Now, they didn't get baptized in order to be saved. They had already gotten saved, and then they got baptized. But what I'm wanting you to see today is the baptism was immediate. The one biblical prerequisite to baptism is salvation. And once you've been saved from a biblical perspective, you are eligible and you are free and you're instructed, and we're all instructed by God, to follow him in baptism. Now, you're in chapter 16. Go back earlier in the chapter, at beginning in verse 14. Well, first of all, in verse 12, uh, here is... Therefore, sailing from Troas, we'll go to verse eleven. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course, and he's telling us where he went. And uh, and then in verse thirteen, on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, at where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So there's a group of women on the Sabbath, and they're meeting there for prayer. Now, certain woman, woman named Lydia heard She was a seller of purple from Thyatira, who worshipped God. Now. Paul and Paul now is sharing how to be saved. And it says, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So that here, Lydia is saved in verse 14. And when she and her household were baptized. And so here's another example in the same chapter. Somebody is saved and then immediately they're baptized. They're already by the water. They're down by the river, and this group of ladies is having a prayer meeting, but they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know anything about Jesus. And Paul showed up, and Paul explained to them about the Lord. And then she got saved, and then she followed in baptism. And so today, we're going to give everyone here who's never been baptized, who needs to be baptized, an opportunity to be baptized. We have said in recent weeks, we've shared this number. You say, John, why, why are we doing this? Well, we're doing this for a couple of reasons. There's a practical reason and there's a spiritual reason. The spiritual reason is that as best as we can discern the will of God, this is exactly what God is leading us to do. And I, I have to tell you this. I've been preaching since 1988. So for over, well over 30 years, I've been preaching. And I will have to say this. I have never driven to church here or anywhere else on a Sunday to preach when I felt more in the center of the will of God than I have today. There's a spiritual reason we're doing this and that is because God has placed on our heart to to give everybody who needs to be baptized today an opportunity to do that. But there's a practical reason and the practical reason is so far this year, we have seen well over 100 people get saved who have not yet followed up in their baptism. Now we've baptized, since January the 1st, 178 people. This is phenomenal that that many people have been baptized this year. But there have been 272 who have been saved and gone to the family room, plus others who've been saved and who've not gone to the family room. And so we just felt like, why not have a Sunday? Where we just say, if you want to get baptized, you can be, as long as you know you're saved, as long as you know that Jesus is living in your heart, you can be saved. Now, as I was finishing preparing this, I, 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 I wrote out some questions. Because today, some of you are asking questions. Some of you are asking, should I be baptized? Is this for me or is this for somebody else? And here's a question that I get asked often. And we get asked this question a lot. What if I was baptized as a baby? Should I be baptized now? Well, now, for those of us who've grown up in the Baptist church, we don't even understand that question because in our church, we don't have infant baptism. But to to all of us Baptists, I want to say to us, thank God, we have a lot of people coming to our church from Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Catholic backgrounds, and they were baptized when they were babies. And so to them, this is a real issue. And I have people ask, from Catholic churches ask me all the time, and I always say to the Catholics, I say, well, first of all, I have deep respect for the liturgy and for the reverence of the Catholic Church. And to those of you who are Catholic today, I say that not just to be nice, I say that because I mean it. I have been to the Vatican. In 2011, we went there. As a, We took a group from our church on Paul's journey. We went to Rome, we went to the Vatican, and I was very impressed with the reverence And the seriousness for God. But in the Catholic church, babies are baptized to God. And I always say to the Catholic this. We don't baptize babies. We don't baptize infants in the Baptist church. We don't do that. But we do have baby dedications. In fact, in the next service today, we're going to have a baby dedication. We're dedicating babies almost every Sunday here at First Baptist. And it's an an exciting thing to do. And I always say, and I want to make this very clear today, infant baptism and a baby dedication are not the same thing. So I don't want anybody to write me a letter this week and say, John said that infant baptism and baby dedication, no, they're not the same. They're different, but they're similar in this respect. In both an infant baptism and a baby dedication, those experiences are happening because the parent is doing that for the child. It was the parent's idea. It was the parent's decision. I'm going to be dedicating a baby this morning who's about three months old. Now, this little girl did not say to her parents last week, would you please have me dedicated up there at the church? No, that wasn't her idea. That was her parent's idea. And it's the right thing to do. They're dedicating their child to God. Now, in these churches where they have infant baptism, now, we don't, I don't even believe in infant baptism. Infant baptism in the Bible is something that's supposed to happen after salvation. Now, we all understand that. But still, if I'm talking to someone who's been baptized as a baby, I say to them, that's different now from what we do. That's altogether different than a baby dedication. But it's similar in this respect. When your parents had you, de- had you baptized, that was their way in that church context of dedicating you to God, even though it's different from how we do it here. That was their decision. But when we get older, and we make our own decisions for the Lord, and we by faith receive Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and we are saved, then after that, we need to be baptized. You know, I even think of Billy Graham, grew up in a Presbyterian church, would have been baptized as a baby, would have gone through confirmation, when he was about 12 years of age, and yet he didn't get saved until he was 16. And so he was saved, went into the ministry, goes off to Bible school, he's down in Florida. Billy Graham in his 20s now, preaching a revival, late teenage, probably in his early 20s, preaching a revival, and he's sharing with that church about how he got saved. And after the service, some of the leaders in the church came up and said, uh, Billy, we're so proud and excited to have you. It's a great revival. All these people are being saved. You've told us how you got saved. But Billy, have you ever been baptized? And he said, well, I was baptized as a baby and I was confirmed when I was 12. But, and they said, but have you ever been baptized by immersion? That's what the word baptism literally means, to immerse, to go under the water and come up. Have you ever been baptized like that? And Billy Graham said, no, I I never have done that. And they explained it to him. And they said, would you like for us to baptize you? And he said, I believe that's what I need to do. And young Billy Graham was taken to a lake in Florida, and that's where he experienced believer's baptism, where he was lowered under the water and where he was lifted back up. So if you were baptized as a baby or gone through confirmation, but you've been saved now You need to be baptized, and we would encourage you to do that. Somebody says, Well, what if I got baptized? I did get baptized by immersion, but I got baptized before I got saved. Well, if you were baptized before you got saved, then the Bible would say to us, You need to get that baptism on the right side of your salvation. You know, I didn't put it on the screen today, but with it being the World Series, I did mention the Astros a minute ago, right, being the World Series. We always use a baseball field when we talk to kids about salvation and baptism. Well, you do it with adults too, but certainly with kids, and we put a baseball, we draw a baseball field, and you can just use your imagination today, and we say first base is becoming a Christian. Second base is getting baptized. Third base is our growth as a Christian. And home plate is heaven. And so we say to the child after they've been saved, now you're at first base. You've asked Jesus to come into your heart. But over here is baptism. Now, is baptism before or after salvation? Well, baptism's after salvation, okay? So you need to get baptized after you get saved. Now, the question comes up, well, what if I got saved when I was young and then I had doubts about that and then I got my doubts settled. Do I need to be baptized again after that? Now that's a question that is a very common question. And I'm going to give, I'm not going to give you any pat answer or any, you know, just uh, answer some memory. I'm going to answer that question sensitively, biblically and spirit led as best as I can discern the spirit. The answer to that question is it depends it depends on whether or not God leads you to do that. Now, if you say, I got baptized, I know I wasn't saved when I got baptized. Well, I'm saying, I know you need to get baptized now after you got saved. But if you say, John, I, I, I had an experience and I, I, I think maybe I was saved, I'm not sure, and I got baptized and then later on in life, you know, I thought that was genuine and then later on in life had some doubts, I got that settled, do I now need to be rebaptized? The answer to that question is, it depends say it depends on what? It depends on how the Lord Jesus leads you. You know, I had that experience. You know my story. Saved as a child, baptized as a child, had doubts. And I, well, I think I was saved then. I'm pretty sure I was, but I had to get that settled. Got that settled. And then I thought, well, what should I do? Should I be baptized again or not? Well, I knew that Adrian Rogers, one of my heroes in the faith, had been through a similar experience where he had had an experience of salvation. He had been baptized. But then later on, he went through doubts, and he got that settled. And I never heard in all of his preaching, and I've heard many of his sermons, whether or not he ever got baptized again. And the problem was, by the time I wanted to ask him that question, he had died and gone to heaven. So I couldn't ask him. So I wrote a letter to his wife, and I asked her, and I got an answer back. And she said, Adrian was not baptized again. And the reason was, he felt like that he was saved the first time and biblically baptized. But he had these doubts and he got that settled but he never felt the need to get baptized again because in his way of thinking, he compartmentalized that. And he said, this was doubt. This was separate from that. Well, in my case, since I really couldn't tell if I was saved or not, the first I just went ahead and, and got baptized again because I wanted to make... So what I'm saying is it depends. It depends on how the spirit leads. I always pray what Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher prayed. God, make me an... When I'm talking to somebody about spiritual matters, Spurgeon said, God, make me an expert in matters of the soul. These are people's souls, these are people's lives. This is the most important thing in their life. And God, when I talk to somebody about their soul, I don't wanna give them a pat answer, a memorized answer, some some answer that doesn't mean, I wanna give them a spiritual answer. And I'm saying to you today, if you had a salvation experience, and you got baptized after that, and later on you had doubts and you got that settled, whether or not you should be baptized again, it, there's not a clear, it is whatever the Spirit of God is leading you to do. He may do like he did with Adrian, say you don't need to do that. He may do like you did with me and say you do. And so you follow the Spirit's leading and let him show you and let him lead you. And here's, the, here's how you'll know that. Which option gives you the greatest peace Either being baptized again in that case or not being baptized again. So you just follow peace and you can't go wrong. Now, some people say, John, what if I can't physically be baptized? We have people in our church who are in wheelchairs. We have people in our church who have disabilities. We have people in our church who can't physically get up there in that baptistry and get down in that water. And so we've done this before and we'll do it today for anybody who wants to. If you can't physically get baptized in just a moment when we have this opportunity for people to come for baptism, if you'll just come to the front and sit on the front row, we're gonna baptize you right here this morning We're going to put some water on your head? Let me tell you something. God never expects us to do anything we can't do. And if a person here today is in a wheelchair or some other physical ailment and they can't physically get in the water and be baptized, we'll baptize you right here. And when your baptism is over, you will be just as baptized as those who were baptized by immersion today in the eyes of God. Amen? And so if you have a limitation, you can't do that, then... uh, then we'll baptize you in that way. Now, the last question is, how will I know? Today, how will I know if I need to get baptized? Well, for some, it's just obvious that that's what you need to do. You've been saved and you've never been baptized. You just, then it's obvious. For others, you got baptized, but later on you got saved. And, and so it's just obvious that's what you need to do. But anybody here today, and I don't know how many will, but anybody today who needs to be baptized you'll just know in your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and then we'll stop. I'm going to give you a chance to come forward for baptism. On Friday afternoon, I had an appointment at 4 o'clock. man wanted to talk to me. He's a dear friend of mine, deacon in our church, 65 years old, one of the biggest encouragers my dad and I have. And he had made an appointment to come see me, and we finally coordinated our schedules, and he came by, and we had a really good visit. At the end of the visit, he said, John, there's something else I want to talk to you about before I leave. He said last, he had the bulletin from last Sunday. He said, here is your sermon outline from last Sunday. And uh, he had the points, he had the the blanks and everything filled in. I was thinking to myself, I don't even remember my outline from last Sunday and how you got it down. And he said, your first point last week was that we need to be obedient in our baptism." And he said, here's my testimony. He said, I got baptized when I was seven, but I, wasn't, I didn't get saved when I was seven. I got baptized, I got baptized, but I didn't get saved. He said, when I was 11 years old, I got saved, but I never have been baptized after that. And he said, all these years, not constantly, but intermittently, all these years, I have thought to myself, I need to be baptized. This bothers me. And he said, you've been talking about this spontaneous baptism service. And he said, John, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm 65 years old. I'm a deacon in the church. What he was saying was, what is everybody going to think? He said, but Sunday, and he goes to the second service. He said, Sunday, when you give the invitation to come down and be baptized, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even really want to do it. But I know I need to do it. And I'm coming forward to be baptized today. What was he saying? He was saying, John, what are people gonna think? Now, let me tell you, let me help you on that. When it comes to God, whether it's baptism or anything else about obeying God, and the old question comes into your mind, what will people think? Here's the answer to that question. You ready for it? Say amen. You ready for the answer? Here's the answer to that question. Who cares? Who cares what people... At the end of it all, listen. Who cares? I mean, at the end of it, we don't stand before people. There's coming a day when you and I are going to stand face to face with Jesus Christ, and there'll be one opinion that matters on that day, and that's his. So it doesn't matter what people think. Let me say a second thing. You wonder what people think. Who cares what people think? But if this makes you feel any better, if you come forward today to get baptized, everybody in this room is going to cheer you on and think that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in all my life. Amen? That's what's going to happen. So you're in a room today where people are gonna say, you're doing what I did. Some are gonna say, you're doing what I need to do. And we're gonna cheer for you and we're gonna encourage you. And you're gonna leave church today saying, you know what, that spontaneous baptism service. I came on my phone yesterday, I came across that. I think, I can't remember the name of the girl who sings it. Let's go down to the river to pray. I think it starts out saying, As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way and who will wear a robe and crown. Oh Lord, show me the way. Oh brother, let's go down, let's go down, let's go down. Oh brother, let's go down, down to the river to pray. I bet I've listened to that song 15 or 20 times. Yesterday, even this morning at home. I just feel like today, this is as close a thing as we may ever have in our church to a Jordan River baptism. Where we just say to people, if you know you're saved, but you've never been baptized, we're going to sing a couple of songs. We've got baptism volunteers all over this room. They're going to, you're going to walk right down this aisle, walk to that door. They're going to take you upstairs. And after a couple of songs, you're going to be baptized. And when you get come up out of that water and go home today, you're going to be like that Ethiopian eunuch. It says after he was baptized, he went on his way rejoicing, knowing he did what God had told him to do. Now, before we... There's, the invitation is an A and a B today. The A is, do you know for sure that you're saved. And then the B will be, do you need to be baptized? So with our heads bowed and eyes closed, first things first, salvation and baptism are two different things. I'm asking you first and foremost, do you know for sure today that you're saved? Do you know that? You say, John, I just, I, you, something, I probably need to be baptized, but I don't really know for sure that I'm saved. Well, let's get that, let's, let's first things first, let's get that settled today. If you don't know for sure that you're saved, would you pray this prayer, Lord Jesus? I believe you've brought me to this service today. God, I didn't anticipate this. But God, I believe you've brought me to this service today so that I could get saved and know that I'm saved. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart to forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Begin now to make me the person that you want me to be. And Lord, I'm a little nervous about this next part, this baptism. I know it won't make me any more saved, but God, it's it's the next step. It's supposed to be done immediately. God, I didn't come to church today planning on getting baptized, but God, I know in my heart that's what I need to do. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to give me the courage. Give me the courage to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, and all the people said, amen and amen.